0: there and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin.
1: And from Indianapolis, I am Sean. Before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and follow us on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find out more information and past episodes at thecaptionlife.com.
0: Hey, we've got a great episode planned for today. We're excited to have, uh, a guest in here in the, in the caption castle, uh, to talk about, uh, some, we're trying to talk about comics. Um, and we've had this guest on the show before. We are extremely excited to have him back. It is Ibrahim Mustafa. He is an illustrator and an, uh, sorry, and an Eisner Award nominated comic book writer and artist. His work has been published by Marvel, DC, Image, Humanoids, Boom. Uh, valiant entertainment dynamite entertainment dark horse if if they make comics ibrahim's worked for them, uh and he is here <laughs> to talk uh tonight about his new graphic novel uh retroactive so welcome again to the show
2: ibrahim thank you guys for having me back i appreciate it hey thanks for
1: coming back on and Ibrahim, Abby, you probably remember we always like to ask our guests who come on the show this question and we know that we probably asked you this question the first time you came on our show. Um, and by the way, you're one of the few people that are returners
2: of the show. So
1: congratulations. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I want, I want to, uh, I want a five timers club smoking jacket by the end of this. Oh well, yeah. Well now that you suggested that we got to do that now.
1: <laughs> yeah. With the Capsule Life logo on the back of it yep. and everything. Yeah.
0: We we now have we now have Ibrahim under contract for uh, three more episodes, which <laughs> Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> which if he keeps pumping out amazing work, it's not going to be a problem to have him on every time.
1: Oh, well, thank exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ibrahim, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your comic book origin story? What got you into comics? Was there somebody that introduced it to you? And how's that led to what you're doing today in the comic book industry?
2: Yeah. Um. My my father was from Egypt and he read comics over there. Right. Like the, mm. the probably, you know, Silver Age stuff that was translated into Arabic. And so when I was a little kid, he would get me Superman and Batman comics um and you know read me the the Christopher Reeve movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my first comics, I, I always forget what issue it was. It was like Detective Comics, like six twenty eight, I think. I want to say it was like a Marv Wolfman Jim Aparo issue uh, with G- Dick Giordano inking. Um, I always I always call him Dick Giordano. It always comes out that way. <laughs> uh, and then uh, John Burns' Man of Steel number two, and that one came with an audio cassette that had like the voice actors and the sound effects and stuff so that was kind of how i learned to read i was probably you know four uh four or five like kind of you know listening to the tape and looking at the images and stuff and Mm -hmm. um so that really you know got me hooked on those characters and then i was you know also a child of the 80s so like the ninja turtles was a big thing for me um, and then, you know, eventually it was like finding out that there were comics of those. Cause at the time it was, to me, it was like the cartoon and then the movie, just the cartoon the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, and then, uh, the X-Men cartoon is what really got me into comics sort of like on my own, you know, without somebody giving them to me, me going like, Oh, there's, you know, there are, are comics there are books of these characters. Um, and, uh, so I was really into them as a little kid. And then, uh, you know, as I got a little older, I kind of just found other interests, not like I was like, oh, I'm, I'm into cooler stuff now. It was just different, like, nerdy stuff. <laughs> like, I got really into Mortal Kombat, and the, so that, I was always drawing Mortal Kombat characters and stuff, and um, and then, you know, I got really into, like, soccer when I was in middle school, and then break dancing in high school, and then when I was, like, in the last couple years of high school, Smallville hit the airwaves, and I was like, oh, I always loved Superman as a kid, and now there's a show about him, you know, let me, you know, so I got into that, and then uh somebody gave me a gift that was like a, a book that was the complete history of Superman. And the the covers were like old Siegel and Schuster era mm-hmm. Superman mm-hmm. drawings. But uh when you pull the dust jacket off, it had those same images but as reinterpreted by Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, What is that? <laughs> like you can do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can make them look like real people? That you know, I mean I obviously I'd seen them in, you know, Christopher Reeve and stuff, but like to have this painting, you know, I was just like, what is this? So then I found out who he was and that led me to kingdom come. And then, you know, then I was like, became a fan of Mark Wade's writing and that led me to birthright. And then it was kind of just down the rabbit hole from there. And then, so it was like right after high school that I really got into comics and, you know, found there was a comic book store nearby and, you know, started reading stuff, opened a box. And then from there, it was like, you know, I always loved drawing. I used to draw these characters as a kid and, here I am now at this point I'm reading like C- criminal by Brubaker and Phillips and stuff. And, um, and I was just like, fell in love with the medium all over again. And that, you know, made me go like, well, I want to take my ability to draw and, and like do this. So I started out trying to be the next Alex Ross, like painting and mm-hmm. stuff. And then I, you know, <laughs> and then I realized that like, what was actually like the fun part for me was like, not just the single image that would be a cover, but like telling the story from beat to beat. So then I just started um seeking out like, uh, comic book scripts online or like you can, you know, when you could find like a, a, a ultimate Spider-Man trade with the bend scripts in the back mm-hmm. or something. And, you know, I would, I would practice pages from that kind of stuff. Um, and then it became like finding other people who are interested in it and teaming up to do a little like collaboration. Cause at the time I thought, Oh, well I'm an artist like, and then there are writers, so I'm not a writer. So I'll, you know, um, and then eventually I realized it's not that binary. You can do both. And that's kind of, you know, how I got to where I'm at today. But, yes that's that's the 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 you know short sort of like cliff notes version of it but yeah
0: i want to talk about like 10 things that you mentioned in there but <laughs> i'll just just i'll just pick one so like i loved drawing mortal kombat characters when i was a oh, kid yeah? too yeah especially because like sub-zero and scorpion you didn't have to draw their faces like they wore <laughs> right they wore masks. Uh, yeah. that, I rem- you said that and then like a light bulb went on over my head
2: because like, I used to do the exact same thing. Like, you know, you, you know, what's funny about that is I picked like Luke Kang was always my favorite. Mm-hmm. And he was like the hardest one to draw because not only do you have a full face, but you have like a torso and arms mm-hmm. that are exposed. So like you had to learn to draw muscles, you know, and mm-hmm. I've always been like that. Like uh, every project I take on, whether it's like one of my custom action figures that I like to make, or like, I got really into customizing like vehicles for them now or like making a comic. It's like, I'm always finding myself asking the question, like, why, why am I doing this to myself? Like why I always pick like the hardest thing, you know, that's probably <laughs> the
0: difference between like someone like you who's really good at it. And somebody like me, like you challenged yourself to get better. And I was <laughs> like, I'm, I can draw sub zero. That's totally okay. I don't need to draw like, um, an abs or whatever. Cause you know, <laughs> costume is in the way. Uh, and you're, and now look at you, that's where you're at. And, and I'm, I'm on the other side of the microphone.
2: So. That was, that's the, that's the point in the continuum where, kevin either becomes a comic book artist or not it's like (laughs) does he draw the ads hey
0: fifth grade sixth grade like it was it was one of the things that was in the realm of possibility for me because i loved it It i mean the same same situation like you know i loved superman growing up and i the x-men um cartoon had just kicked off then and like it was like i want to do this I, i i fell in love with comics around the same time um yeah i didn't nurture my talent the way that uh, the way that you did. So. Well,
2: that is really the thing with drawing, honestly. Like, because most kids are are pretty decent at it, or at least like around, like kind of at a similar skill level. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the difference is really just like, you know, does the one kid keep going versus the other kid like find something else that they're into? Right. You know, yeah. practicing. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Kevin, we're probably about the same age, right? I mean, I'm I'm actually going to be thirty seven tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and I'll be forty later this year. Okay. Yeah. So we're
2: happy early birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Lots to celebrate. Yeah.
0: Uh, Ibrahim, it's been about a year since we've talked. uh, And in that time you have written and and drawn another original graphic novel. Um, Where were you in the process a year ago when uh, Count came out? Where were you in the process a year ago with this one? And what does the timeline look like for you to put something together like this? I think with
2: this one when count was coming out, I had already I had certainly already pitched it and had it approved, so it was like, okay, as soon as I finish count, that's the next one. I think I don't know that i I think I started writing it after count came out, probably like in April or May. I know the date on the script is like June, I think when I did the final draft, um but mm. this one you know it's a pretty complicated it's a time travel story, so there's a lot of like moving parts i had to figure out so there was a lot of you know like back and forth and figuring that stuff out so this one actually was a a, a longer process for me than uh, count was like count i i had i had a very detailed synopsis and outline written because it was my first book with them and so i you know, with humanoids so you know i kind of had to show them like here's what i'm thinking because they you know i i had written some stuff but i wasn't like known as a writer yet so i think they wanted to make sure like a Can he pull this off and be this guy's adapting like a literary classic? Like, let's make sure it doesn't suck, you know? (laughs) So, so, but I had such a like thorough outline done that it was like I wrote the the entire 120 page script in like 10 or 12 days. I can't remember one of the two. Um, cause it just was like falling out of my hands because I had already, you know, had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Uh, retroactive took a lot longer and you know like i said there was a lot of like moving parts to figure out you know kind of because you're dealing with like time travel and the logic of it and you know do these things layer on top of each other and you know do they work out well and then i've also got sort of like two parallel timelines in it that sort of converge at one point and so um a lot more moving parts and then this one actually took me a lot longer to draw just because you know, the pandemic hit and I was like helping my nephew long distance with his homework because he was doing everything from home at that point. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he's got attention issues. And so we were trying to get that dialed in. And, and then, um, yeah, just like, a, you know, I think it was a, a tough window of time for everybody. So. Mm -hmm. um yeah this i want to say retroactive took me about a year to finish
1: and with retroactive because you were talking about how you wrote count and that was inspired by the count of monte cristo does retroactive have any um any inspiration from other stories like this or is this completely from your imagination and everything
2: yeah i mean it's certainly inspired by my love of time loop stories like the the elevator pitch for this is james bond meets groundhog day right so
1: yeah <laughs> it's like you know
2: you have the 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 repeating day aspect of it but then also yeah. the espionage stuff that i love so there's also a lot of like james bond story structure influence in this mm-hmm. um i love you know how those open with like a, a you know big action set piece and then you know you have like the villain reveal and stuff like that so mm-hmm. i i structured it in a way that was very like comforting and familiar to me because i love that (laughs) that genre Um, so it was really just like kind of taking the two and mashing them together gotcha cool
1: well uh during that time you also did uh, wastelanders wolverine for marvel how did that come about and how did you squeeze that in with everything else that you were doing
2: yeah, uh that I just got an email from an editor of Marvel and he was like, Hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this. Do you want to do it? And I was like, Yeah, absolutely. I love you know, <laughs> Wolverine and and yeah. uh you know my schedule with Retroactive was um, you know, flexible enough that I was able to, you know, just say, like, hey, is it cool if I step away to do this for a month and then come back? And they were like, Yeah. Because um, it helps, you know, in general, like uh, you know, you kind of have to do big two work to get enough name recognition to where when you do a more indie type release like retroactive you know it's uh, mm-hmm. I mean it's not an indie book in the sense that like Humanoids is a big publisher but you know they're they're more of a niche like publisher rather than like you know capes and cowls and stuff so right um, so yeah it just kind of helps with like the visibility you know and you get your name in previews and the comic shops recognize it from oh yeah that guy did a Wolverine thing you know so then they might mm-hmm. be more li- liable to uh, take a chance on you know something that is like unfamiliar to them
1: right right which by the way i have that issue i just haven't read it yet
2: oh right on. <laughs>
1: but i have it i have it sitting with like my whole i have a huge two shelf stack of unread comics that's just kind of sitting goes. there so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna get to it but man, I, no I saw the name on there i was like i i've got to read this i've got to read it so i
2: appreciate it it was super fun man and Stephen s tonight who you know, was the, the showrunner and I think head writer on Daredevil season yeah, one. I was going
0: to ask about that. Like, uh, how was that working with him?
2: Um, he's great. Like, just such a nice guy. Super positive. Fantastic writer. I mean, I read the script and I was just like, this is 100 percent like my vibe. You know, it mm-hmm. was like the beats of it, the the way he, you know, unwrapped some of the moments in it. Like, it was just totally the same kind of storytelling aesthetic that I Go for so mm-hmm. it was pretty seamless and it and it was a it was super fun and like yeah I'd love to I'd love to work with him again like he was just a great collaborator and then we had Niraj Menon I think is how you say his last name on um colors and they were just fantastic we actually collaborated again on a, a Doctor Strange thing that's coming out next month so oh, cool yeah he was a he was a great colors to work with so yeah it was a it was a good time nice.
1: So retroactive has some familiar beats in it, but it's a completely new and original story. Can you give us a little bit more of a synopsis of what the story is about?
2: Yeah. So, uh, we follow, uh, a, an agent for the, uh, Bureau of Temporal Affairs, which is like the CIA for time travel basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we, it's kind of like a five minutes into the future story. You know, it's like, I think it's like 20 or 30 years from now. Um, and you know, time travel exists, but it's like a, it's a secret, you know, it's a government secret and like the five superpowers of, you know, us, China, Russia, Japan, and the UK have access to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, the similar, uh, party lines of like, you know, our allies are Japan and the UK and then Russia and China are doing their thing. And, and so, um, you know, when, if, if say the UK goes back in time, like, They have a specific time signature uh, that, you know, the other agencies can tell when it's one of theirs, right? Mm -hmm. So these anomalies start showing up at the timeline that have no time signature. And so the main character Tarek is like sent to investigate it. And that leads to him, you know, basically being stuck in a time loop by the bad guys and having to thwart the terror attack that causes the day to restart Uh, So he can try to get back to his timeline and save the day. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now
0: it's because you mentioned time loop and you, you mentioned James Bond versus uh, James Bond meets groundhog day. It's got Mm -hmm. some, it's got some familiarity to it. Some of the, some of the things that we've seen in time travel stories before, but how do you come up with the rules of time travel that you're going to adhere to for a story like this?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it was important that it be simple, because I mm-hmm. think you can get really bogged down by like, how does this work? And and also, I didn't want it to be like, oh, they just wear a watch, they touch, and then it like zaps them out of wherever they are, because that's too much of a like, you know, MacGuffin mm-hmm. thing, right? Like, it's it's too easy, they could just, you know, so you, so it has to have enough rules to, to like kind of hamper their progress, right? In a way that mm-hmm. makes the story interesting, otherwise they could just be like, dip, dip, wherever they want, right? So, um, that was the main thing. It was like, the jumping can't be anywhere in time. You can go to the destination point in the past and then back to the present. And that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have to use these watches in tandem with this, like what, what I call a drift chamber. So, you know, and the drift chambers are located in specific places. So like, you know, at one point in the book, they have to go back to Dallas, right. For the Kennedy assassination. And because Mm -hmm. that's like such a pivotal moment in American history, there's a drift chamber nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, other instances like you know you may go back to that year and time but you got to do some traveling to get to the actual destination right so um, I was trying to keep it as grounded as I could with while still being like you know this fantastical thing of time travel <laughs> <laughs> right I
0: I also wanted to like ask you too because I, I, we talked about this when you when count came out like the visual details that you came up with like that the you know and count the ships look like uh, the spaceships kind of look like whales and like right. how, how you come up with some of the technology. Um, I was fascinated with the future fashion that you came up with, uh, like the suit and stuff that the Tariq we- wears. Um, and then also the, um, the cell phone, like the communication device that's like almost seems like a um, like see through uh transparent yeah, screen like a, because right. I read the book. Uh, I read the book on Friday. Uh, you know, you sent it to us, and then this weekend, I also watched the new, um, uh, Adam, Pro- the Adam the Project, the Adam Project, and yes. their communication <laughs> devices, like in the movie, are like eerily similar. Oh, is that
2: the? That- Oh, that's the new Ryan Reynolds yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Ryan yes. Reynolds one. I've been I meaning mean to watch that. And it's about yeah. time travel, yeah.
0: and he's got like a futuristic yeah. communication device that looks very similar to the one that's featured in in nice. your book. And I'm like, <laughs> man, like he, like he's got his finger on the pulse, like he knows what what's going on. But I was I was just, just curious of <laughs> how you decide on things like that, how a character is going to look, and things like that.
2: Yeah, I I try to look at like. Sort of the the way that trends kind of come back, right? Like every, you know, like more tailored suits, you know, more like like sort of like nineteen sixties era, you know, early, late fifties early sixties era suits have, mm-hmm. you know, are like more in style mm-hmm. now, right? Like they're more tapered and you know thinner ties and stuff like that, or maybe they were, you know, five years ago, whatever. So I kind of <laughs> tried to t- think about the the cycle of of when things come back in style. And then sort of plan it out that way. But it's also, you know, I, the math may not exactly line up, you know, because it's mostly just like, well, I also like that aesthetic. Like, I didn't want to be like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, the 70s are in style now or like the <laughs> ugly early aughts, right? Or is, is there like,
0: somewhere on the future timeline where like the big oversized suits from the early 90s are right. going back in? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, it's already here. Double breasted,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, with, with something like the phones, like I, I was trying to think of, okay, well, l- l- you know, how have they evolved from, you know, the old Nokia bricks and the, the flip phones and like, you know, what would maybe the next stage of that evolution look like? You know, um, I did the same thing with the vehicles, like, um, you know, like Tarek's car is like a, a must. Yeah. It's but beautiful it's like, you know, too. I, thank you. Yeah. And I, I kind of looked at, like, okay, what did Mustangs look like? You know, my favorite Mustang is like 69, 70, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. the Mach 1 body style. And I was kind of like, what, with the, with the evolution of vehicles, what would that look like? It's going to be a little more streamlined, you know, maybe the instead of having like a um, like a metal emblem, it'll be like kind of a digital thing on the screen almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I kept the taillights the same as like the three Mustang taillights, you know, just to kind of give those nods to and it. And you
0: can look at, you can look at that car in the shape of the grill and then the taillights and the the circular emblem in the, on the trunk. Yep. Um, Where the old gas yeah, yeah, yeah. tanks used to dude, be. Dude, you can cap. tell that that's a Mustang and it's amazing. Thanks, Thanks. man.
2: Yeah. And the, the other thing too, and this is something I, I wanted to make sure I got right, is like when you see stuff that takes place in the future, like every, all the cars are future cars. And it's like, well, not all the cars are modern now. Right. So I wanted yeah. to make like our cars. Now be like kind of the old junkers of this book's timeline. So right. you see kind of a little bit of everything in between, like some of the bad guys drive like a, a current Dodge Ram. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, 20, 30 years it's going to be a little beat up, you know, they painted a camo and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and then I kind of did like, okay, what would, you know, a lot of the cars I sort of made up, um, like they're not really based on anything specific, but they look like they kind of belong. You know, sort of somewhere in between now and twenty, thirty years from now. Right. Um I'm one of the weirdos, I'm one of the few people I think that like loves drawing cars. So <laughs> for me it was like, you know, the other car he drives, uh, the one he kind of steals with the valet ticket in the when he's stuck in the loop it yeah. is is like a Lincoln Continental. Yeah. And I, I sort of modeled it off of like the old ones, you know, that have the suicide doors like in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then also like, you know, kind of a newer sleek version of it. And same thing with the sort of digital light up grill sort of deal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I really love doing that kind of world building type of stuff where, you know, you, you try to make it look lived in, but also believable and, you know, Mm -hmm. other than what we have now.
0: I think you got a I think you got a great thing going. You could do like a, um, the cars of Ibrahim Mustafa, like calendar and, and put that (laughs) together and do like a Kickstarter or something for it.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll Photoshop myself in. Posing yeah. on them. Well, I mean, you should, you should grab <laughs> yeah. the
1: drafts of those and frame them and then just slyly send them over to Ford and be like, hey, here's some car designs yeah. if you want to talk. And i be like,
2: what? You used our stuff in your car? But no, no, I didn't.
0: Huh? <laughs> uh, I was careful not to put any logos in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The notes yeah. are there. You can, you can it's, and it's great though.
2: It's, yeah. it's, really good. <laughs> it's really good.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I, I have to share that going back to, The Atom Project and that happening like the same weekend that we were reading this book, there was a moment for me where I I stopped halfway through your book to take a break. And then when I came back to it, I had just finished not only watching The Atom Project, but having to write a review. Oh, yeah. And so I had to pay like close attention to that. So when I was reading your book, I got to be honest, I kept getting confused. I was like, wait, is that the rule in this book or is that or the other yeah. project? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it took me a little bit longer to read the book because I had to re-familiarize myself with the rules of time travel. So a, a word to the wise, whenever you're reading any sort of book about time travels, make sure you're not also watching or reading another one that has
0: its own rules for yeah, time travels. Yeah, the, well the Ghostbusters too. are right. You, don't, you never cross the streams. Never cross right. the streams. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked about, uh, to switch gears a little bit, we've talked about representation quite a bit on this show this year. And your book has a diverse cast in, in, in its entirety. And Can you tell us a little bit about the process you go through when you're developing these characters and deciding how they'll be depicted in the story?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of it is just kind of like, I don't get to see myself in a lot of things. So mm-hmm. like, let me do something that is representative of people like me. And then hopefully other people like me will be like, ah, something for us, you know?
1: <laughs> um, and I saw that in your, in your forward, I think in the book as well too, yeah. which I thought was great. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, I think one of the, one of the problems with like representation that we've seen a lot is like, you know, there's a lot of whitewashing of, characters when things get adapted mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't happen a ton because there are you know aren't as there aren't that many things where like uh there aren't that a lot of things to whitewash i guess right i mean there are but like you know um i guess you don't really see too many like like since city gets adapted right like everyone is pretty much you know who they were in that book right mm-hmm. um right and uh so yeah i just i guess i wanted to make a thing that, like, hey, you know, this exists for people, and now that Hollywood is kind of catching up, if it does get adapted, then hopefully they keep it true to, you know, like, the way the book is, because I feel like Mm -hmm. it starts with the source material, you know, and nowadays in Hollywood, obviously, like, a lot of graphic novels and comics get adapted, so right you know this is just one more that like hopefully would be if it if it does get adapted not that i made it to be a a movie or anything but like you know it's something you have to think about when you're doing these things yeah um and so my hope is that like okay well you know i guess that's uh, what i'm trying to say is i'm i'm trying to be the change yeah. i want to see in the world there you, you go. know and so if i put it yeah. out there then hopefully that's one more thing that you know gets peppered into the the grand scheme of things and gives us mm-hmm. one more you know cuz you i mean there aren't really like any middle eastern or whatever you know like uh leads in this kind of stuff you know mm-hmm. um i mean a little bit with like there there've been a few sort of um you know like spy movies that take place in the middle east that have had mm-hmm. protagonists um but it's usually like contingent upon where it takes place mm-hmm. right yeah. like it's and so uh, I wanted to do something that's like, it's not even about his, you know, ethnicity or anything. Like, it doesn't even come up other than just being there, right. you know. Yeah. Um, because it's so often there's like a reason they have to be this way, you know, mm-hmm. for the story. And it's like, no, it could just be, you know, like a, a regular person mm-hmm. who just happens to be whatever they are, you yeah. know. So, and
0: I I think that the book is actually very cinematic. Uh, and maybe that's because of the way that you, like you said, you formatted the story, the the way that it opens almost the way that a James Bond movie, um, would open. You got rooftops and everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that it is. But the, one of the things that I noticed was exactly what you said. Like this, the other thing too is I'll compliment you on, um, having, um, having him called rick like somebody else calls Tariq rick which yeah. <laughs> which clarified <laughs> how to pronounce his name what yeah. was it was it Tariq or was it Tariq or whatever right. uh, and that mm. was it reminded me of um shang chi and him him right, saying yeah. it's like sean <laughs> but yeah so like i thought that was was it did you have that in mind yes uh okay <laughs> it, it, it kind of
2: works double duty uh one for the reason you stated but also people are always looking to give me nicknames right like Mm. all all you know oh do you you have any nicknames yeah i have several but you don't get to use them because you don't know (laughs) me you know like (laughs) like i had i had you know i went to the doctor at one point within the last couple years and the the person at the front desk was like do you have like she was really struggling with my name and then was like didn't even try to say it just read, you know looked at it and like is that that moment of like freezing that like all my substitute teachers had when they got to the M's <laughs> on the roll call, you know? <laughs> like, and, uh and she was like, do you have a nickname? And I was like, no, <laughs> and then, you know, and I kind of joked with her. I was like, you know, we could all say how we feel about Daenerys Targaryen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> Ibrahim, it's not really that far fetched for people. Like, right. Um, so yeah, that, that was another part of it too, is I just, I, I wanted to give like, you know, I, I don't I don't say it outright, but like the character is meant to be Egyptian. And it's a very Egyptian name that I gave him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's kind of like and 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 his partner, his new partner, Lucia, almost right. She's Latina. Mm-hmm. And so she she kind of gives him that look when when their boss who's his friend, you know, and they have that shorthand. He calls him Rick and she kind of looks at him like Rick. And he's like, mm, you, do. you know, That's yeah. uh, you know how it is. <laughs> like, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. I love those poses that you drew in there, though, because it does communicate a lot in terms of the the communication, you know, that you can really show without saying anything in that. And I think we don't get a lot of that in the comics like we get a little bit. But I remember reading this comic. There are a lot of panels where there is just facial expressions or or body expressions that had no dialogue with it. And I thought it communicated just as well as anything with dialogue, too. So I I think you did a fantastic job with this book and doing that, that utilizing that medium to be able to visually express those things that we don't get to necessarily experience in other comics or books or things like that as well, too. So
2: Thanks, man. That's something I really enjoy is trying to really sell it on visuals when I can. Yeah, And that's one of the benefits of getting to write and draw my own stuff is like, if you're working with a writer, they're going to see that and they're going to be tempted to add a line to go with that facial expression. Right. You know, and, and I think it doesn't need it. So I've mm-hmm. had that happen in collaboration in the past and you kind of go like, you didn't have to do all that. Like it was all there, you know, because yeah. a lot of times that won't be in the script. It'll be something that I would add as the artist. And then they go like, Oh, and do, doing the lettering pass. And then they add dialogue. And I'm like, you know, right, All that. So, so <laughs> it's nice to have the freedom to just let the moment play out the way that it, you know, happens in the panel.
1: Yeah. And I thought it was great. Honestly, like, I, I agree with you. I didn't think it needed any more than that because the expressions nailed it very well. Thank so, you, man. Yeah.
0: And I, 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 from the, from the jump, like one of the things that I always talk about when people say that they don't like different like runs of superhero comics, a lot of what we know and love about like the superheroes that we um that we idolize it's 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 the story that a specific writer is telling that's not Superman that you don't like that it's um you know it's whoever was writing that time um and i thought it right. I thought it was exceptional that you th- kind of looked in the mirror to find your your hero for this story um because because I, as soon as i started to get into the book i i realized that that's kind of like like you put a lot of yourself into this um maybe not the way that you know that he acts or behaves M- maybe you are super heroic like like that but definitely like um <laughs> I felt like his, his backstory, like you, like you said, he is a very Egyptian character and and I think that has a lot to do with the way his relationship with his family in the story Mm -hmm. plays out. Like you can definitely, you can definitely see that stuff.
2: Thanks man. Yeah. I wanted it to, to read authentically, you know, and, and there's definitely little, little bits of personal stuff in there that I think, you know, you just kind of have to do when you're writing any story to make it really connect with people. And then, you know, other stuff is kind of extrapolated from, you know, either personal experience or people I know or whatever, you know, just sort of sympathetic scenarios like, you know, um, his his mom in the book has dementia and, you know, she has to like there's a there's a sequence where they're going to tour like a like an assisted living facility for yeah. her. And, um, you know, I her her dementia plays into the general like the overall story in the sense of like he's trapped in this loop for however long you know like is what is that going to do to his mind is he is he having early onset signs of it is it is it you know genetic is it uh Mm -hmm. and then also like he's got to get back to his mom you know because he doesn't know how long relative to his own time he's gone while he's in this loop and stuff so i really wanted it to have those personal stakes so that you you know, have a reason to really care about him and, like, why he has to, you know, break out of this. And just, like, I think any time uh, a character is sympathetic in that way, like, because not everyone, you know, nobody who reads it is going to be a, a, a time spy. But people who read it have family, you know, who like, maybe mm-hmm. a sister they don't get along with or a, a parent who needs their help or whatever. So I think when you put that kind of stuff into the story, it really gives people a reason to care about the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm which is completely revolutionary what i'm saying right now <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> <over them. laughs>
0: um Ibrahim, this is book two of a three book deal you have with humanoids. You touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, can you tease at all what you're doing next, or you have, do you have any ideas for your next story, or is is that something uh, that's something you got to keep close to your chest? And do you ever do you ever see yourself working on something that's like serial or continuous? Because I noticed like the, the last two things you've done are, are in this nice little um, package with the beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. And
2: yeah, so you know. To, I'll answer the second question first. I would love to do something serialized. It's tricky because, like, you know, depending on the publisher, like, like Humanoids isn't really, like, a monthly mm-hmm. comics publisher. They're more of, like, a, you know, collected edition or, like, original graphic novel place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love telling stories in that format. I love that you, like you said, it's a nice package, right? Like, it's it is very, I mean, I like to tell these stories cinematically because I really enjoy that experience of, like, You know, especially when time is limited and, you know, I mean, Sean, you mentioned like having a a big to read pile, right? Like, and it's probably full of single issue stuff for the most part, you know, like
1: a a bunch of stuff. And then Kevin sent me some stuff for me like (laughs) last year. I'm just like, I I don't need more stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And, you know, it's the single issues for me are always the easiest thing to let pile up because. Right. You know, then you are like, oh, I got to reread that issue because it's been two months since I had a chance to read it. And I don't remember what happened yeah. the last one. So I really enjoy that experience as a reader of like, like I'm I'm absolutely loving the the Brubaker Phillips um, Reckless books right mm-hmm. now. You mm-hmm. know, they come out like pretty quickly and they're just like these self-contained stories, you know. So right. I really enjoy that. I do have ideas for some stuff that I want to do. Like I love I would love to do i have a, a series in mind that i want to do that's like every issue is a different story but there's like a, a a single element that sort of ties them all together very similar to what like michael walsh is doing with the silver coin if you guys are familiar with that um, I,
1: I, i've heard of it but i haven't had a chance to read it so yeah,
2: yeah. it's like the silver coin is this kind of like this rabbit's foot type of object that right you know it's like every story is a different thing and he actually has been pairing with different writers to, to tell these one issue stories, which is really cool. Oh,
1: um, cool.
2: and the coin is the through line, right? So I have right. something that's very similar to that kind of setup that I like to do. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really also like just getting to be able to put out this one thing, you know, you don't have to worry about sales attrition, like, <laughs> you know, cause like it's a one-time <laughs> purchase and, right. and, um, you know, uh, so yeah, as far as my third book, it's, it's probably too early to talk about just cause it's like, I'm, I'm still even trying to, you know, write it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it's like, uh, it's, you know, similar to count the way that it was like, a, um, you know, sort of a sci-fi fantasy thing, like, you know, not super hard sci-fi, not super hard fantasy, like, but you know, it's kind of a terrestrial sort of world. Um, right. but it's within this world, it's kind of like a Western type of story. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I've been trying to write it for a couple of weeks now, but life keeps, keeps getting in the way, but I'm, you know, I'm finally getting back on track with it. So, um, hopefully that'll be out this time next year and, you know, we can chat about episode that again. three in the episode yeah. three yeah, <laughs> of, of the five series yeah. deal that we have with you <laughs> yeah.
0: hey speaking of uh you know i read count last year um you know before the interview the pdf that you sent us and i loved it and i've read this one i can't wait to um pick up the like the 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 trade of retroactive because thanks man uh, i don't know if you know this like the i mean you know you probably have copies of it yourself but like the count like paperback is like the one of the nicest books i've
2: ever seen i mean they really did a great job right like yeah it's got
0: the gatefold (laughs) cover
2: and yeah i was like blown blown away with
0: it when i when i got in the mail and i was like like, a lot of times, too, like, um, when I get books in the mail, I'm always worried about, like, if it's a paperback, if it's going to get messed up or something. And I was yeah. so happy that, like, when I opened that up, that, like, I looked at how nice it was. And that, thankfully, it didn't get, like, folded up or, like, jacked yeah, up. In the, right. in the, <laughs> Thanks, yeah. man.
2: I know. That's always a toss-up, right? Like, is is the person who ships this going to, like, care about mm-hmm. it enough to not let it get all mangled? Is <laughs> does, does the, does the mail person who delivers it, like throw right. it at your house <laughs> like,
1: you Pull know? An ace on it <laughs> yeah
2: um, yeah I I don't have the the uh, US version of retroactive yet but I got a French a copy of the French version which they have in hardcover I wish they we could do mm-hmm. hardcovers here but uh and it printed really nicely like uh Brad Simpson the colorist texted me when he got his and he was like dude these colors came out great and I was like I know man I, they really did you justice so that's um, awesome yeah, thanks, man. I'm I'm excited uh, to to have it in my hands, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you bring that up because um, Kevin and I are thinking about doing a series uh, about the comics industry, calling it like Comics 101, to talk about what the process is like with the editor and the writer and the artist and things like that. And somebody had mentioned to us on Twitter that we should really do something with uh, printing as well, too. And hearing you say that... It's like, you know, there might be something there to talk to people about, you know, how printing makes a difference, like what you're saying and and the process of that as well, too. So it's really interesting to hear how just the printing of the colors and the hardback cover and things like that, how that can make a world difference. I think that's really a genius way for the publisher to think about using the cover as a way to entice and attract readers Mm-hmm. That kind of makes it stick out a little bit more than the other ones that they may or may not be competing with. But I think that's a really smart idea for them to think about using something different for the cover as yeah. a way to pull people in. So that's that's awesome. That's great. Yeah,
2: to absolutely. There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, paper stock, you know, with with the cover, with the interior, like. You know, mm-hmm. what's what's the cost versus, you know, the, the cost profit analysis on this mm-hmm. kind of paper versus that. And right. you know, so, I mean, there's there's so much that goes into it that we just don't really think about because we don't have to. Yeah. You know,
0: right. Do yeah. you have to think about like your page count when when that stuff
2: comes up or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, they they pretty much like like I'm I'm given a page count. Like it's basically like, hey, you know, this we want to do 120 pages and I go, OK that's the equivalent of six issues. So I have it in my head generally like what that paces out to be. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sometimes you get, I mean, both I got really lucky both with, I mean, well, maybe it's just my, you know, uh, subconscious, like knowing it, I don't know, but uh, with both count and retroactive, I think retroactive was 118 pages. Like by the time I had it all written out and then I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh cool. That means I can like decompress this one scene a little bit. And then those are my two pages, you know, so because right. I was, you know, sometimes you're worried like this is not enough. And other times you're like, oh, this is gonna be too mm-hmm. much, you know, and <laughs> I thought retroactive was going to be like way over because it's, you know, got a lot going on. But yeah, uh, yeah I got lucky. It worked out. So it,
1: is it one of those things where it has to be right at 120 or could it come in a little bit lower if you wanted yeah, it to you?
2: I mean, well, part of it is like what you're contracted for, you know, like, right. I mean, you, you know, usually, the, I mean, at least in my experience, like Humanoids is cool. Like if I were to say, Hey, I think this is going to be 125 pages. they would mm-hmm. probably work with me, you know? Right. Uh, but there's all, I have to be considerate of, of what they have agreed to pay me to make right. the book. So, right. cause you know, anybody could just like pad it out be like, ah, there's another 10 pages cause I want the extra money. Right. <laughs> um, but I think at this point, you know, like we have a good enough working relationship that, you know, they know that you know, and also, I mean, really the, the, you know, with Mark Wade as the publisher and then Mm -hmm. uh, Rob Levin was the editor uh, that I was working with. He's a valiant now. So now we have Jake Thomas from Marvel who came over to humanoids who I'm looking forward to working with on this third book. But you know, those guys are all such experts that like, there's no way that I would ever find myself in a position to be like, what do I do? And one of them wouldn't be like, well, here's an idea and we wouldn't get it to where it needed to be, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a lot of it has to do with like, again, the cost profit analyses of like, you know, what, mm-hmm. what, how, what do people want to pay for how much comics, you know, right. like, you know, our past sales records show that if we put out, you know, a hundred pages at $20 that doesn't sell as well as 120 at 22 or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Um,
1: That's interesting.
2: Yeah, there's a lot that like, like I said, we don't really have to consider until you're you find yourself going, oh, I gotta like make this work, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Well, at the same at the same time, if you cut something out, that would have been a big selling point to the book. You know, you let's say you add two pages and it makes the book a lot stronger. Word of mouth about your book maybe becomes more stronger. So I'm sure that there's there's a lot of like marketing costs that they have to like consider when they when they do something like that. So, right. Hey, we're going to switch gears a little bit because last year uh when you were on our show it was the first time that we ever really like played a game with a guest. And oh, was that, I didn't realize that was the yeah, it was uh, it was just listen, yeah. it was like yeah. you were one of the first like I don't say big, big name people that we interviewed, but you were one of the, the people that um that well, when we wrote out questions we wrote out questions and we we're like, man, I don't know if this is, this conversation is going to be enough time. So let me come up with this idea to like, you know, be a filler oh, in case sure, we need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. like, it was so good. It was so great what we did with you um, that we, you know, started playing games with some of the people that, um, that we've interviewed. And we're going to play a game tonight mm-hmm. with you. And if I it. can
1: interject real quick, mm-hmm. Kevin, I, I want to share that uh, the game for part of our episodes has actually become a staple with our guests now that I've had people reach out to us, when we didn't do a game for, like, someone that we had on the show but wasn't an interview, because we usually do it for people who are interviewing, but we have guests on the show right. that we aren't interviewing, but it's helping us, like, review a film mm-hmm. or something like that. So I've had people reach out and say, oh, you guys didn't do a game this time. And so I think our our loyal listeners of Seven <laughs> or however many we have are expecting a game every time we interview now. So it's been a staple, and it really did start with you. So it's nice, nice to
2: do this game with you. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad to hear it, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, this game has a theme. Uh, you know, we, we talked last time about we, we bonded over our shared love of, uh, of Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And, yes. uh, and this, since your book, Retroactive, is about time travel, I decided I was going to come up with a game called Retro Action. Where we travel back in time <laughs> to stop some of the worst action movies ever made from being unleashed on the world. So oh, I love you're going to play against Sean. Uh, there's eight questions here there. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe uh, a film to you and I'm going to show you the uh, I'm going to show you the poster. but The, the important stuff is going to be like the words and stuff are going to be um, blacked out. And so if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, go check out the YouTube video because there's, there's more that you'll see there, but, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, give you the description, ask you the question. If you can answer the question, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you three points. If, if you, if you can get it before I give you the multiple choice, I'll give you three points, but I do have multiple choice as well. (laughs) So you can still get a point. Uh,
2: now are kevin or are sean and i trying to like buzz in on this no, or no, 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 i'm, like... gonna, I'm we're just gonna okay. rotate i'm
0: gonna go to you first ibrahim okay. and then i'm gonna take turns then i'm gonna go to sean yep. okay so ibrahim your first question is you'll have to travel back to 1997 to stop the launch of this much maligned action sequel starring sandra bullock and an often memed willem dafoe but not keanu reeves what is this the subtitle of speed two
2: Cruise control, baby. That is correct. Not not baby, (laughs) but cruise control. Yes. Cruise control is correct. That is.
1: I actually. I know this because my wife says, oddly enough, before we go on a cruise, this is her favorite movie to watch. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because they crash the cruise yeah, ship. That's the worst in this possible movie. I mean,
0: unless uh, she said the Poseidon Adventure was her favorite, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> or Titanic, yeah, Titanic, or, like the worst. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she she says I just get the part when they crash the ship, but she loves it when she sees the the cruise ship and and the beach. It just gets her excited for it, and then she stops before it gets to the crashing part. <laughs>
2: I just, I just watched Speed the other night, by the way. Um, oh, yeah? Holds up. Great movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, while you're in
0: 1997, Sean, hang around and stop uh-huh. this video game film sequel from being released and tarnishing the good name of the franchise. What is the subtitle to this Mortal Kombat sequel? Annihilation. Annihilation is correct. <laughs> Annihilation Mortal Kombat Annihilation um, the worst thing from Mortal Kombat until the most recent Mortal Kombat
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Kevin I did a review of that earlier this year or yeah this year and uh, just talked how bad it was yeah. unfortunately you
2: know, it was it was terrible and I loved it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I think for us, we we said it was terrible, and we left it. Yeah. at that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it had it started so strong. I don't want to yeah. derail the game, but man, I was that was a bummer. I, there was a lot that I liked about it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, all in all, it was just like, how did you screw that up?
1: Well, Kevin and I talked about the story between Sub Zero and Scorpion was so great that we really wish they'd do a spinoff of that because if they just did a movie just between those two, the storytelling, the first 10 minutes was fantastic. Yeah, and then it's like yeah. you skipped out on the theater went, and it's all a different movie, even though you're watching at home, you know? Like, yeah. w- what am I watching now? So, yeah, anyways.
0: <laughs> all right, Ibrahim, it's back to you. You'll only have to go back to 2011 to find one of the Twilight teens trying to reshape his image into an action hero in this film about a young man who finds out he was abducted at birth. What is the name of this Taylor Lautner film?
2: I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to have to go multiple choice on this one. Multiple
0: choice options. Is it A, abduction, B, kidnapped, C, taken, or D, captive?
2: A, abduction. A, abduction
0: is correct.
1: Yep very good I I didn't know either I I had to see the list so but once I saw the list I was like oh I remember now
2: I knew it was a single word thing yeah I couldn't I'm gonna be honest a lot
0: of these I got from like um, different articles about like the worst movies on um, like Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot Um, and this one's pretty low on there but I I remember seeing it years ago and thinking it wasn't it wasn't that bad now I mean I could watch it again and and probably change my mind but like at the time I was like it's it's not that bad (laughs)
2: Yeah, right. my I, I guess I guess the world went team Edward, didn't they? Yeah, like look <laughs>
0: look who got the like the the <laughs> yeah. longevity out of that. I mean he had yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, one of them's Batman now.
2: I mean Pattinson's a fantastic actor, so That's true. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right, Sean, you're up next. Right. Bring your umbrella umbrella back to nineteen ninety eight to stop this action disaster about an armored car heist set during a torrential flood. What is the name of this Christian Slater film? Um one. He's
1: killing me. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. If I guess and get it wrong, do I still get the multiple choice or does it go to Ibrahim? Uh you
0: can still uh I don't know. even Ibrahim says that oh, you gotta let me steal it. You gotta let me steal <laughs> it. <You gotta laughs> me steal
1: it. <laughs> no, no. If that's the case, then I want the I want the multiple choice. Because I know I I if I see it, I will know what okay, it is. I'm gonna it's show you the multiple the choice. Yeah. Is it a yeah, let's do the that. flood?
0: B, the vault, C, hard rain. hard rain, or D, the river wild. <laughs> what did you say, Sean? Hard rain. It is C, hard rain. Very good. Yeah. All right. After yeah, it's a good movie, that, that, too. I, I like, really that, like that, that one a lot too. Yeah. Uh,
1: we just want the money. Underrated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a really good So, one. halfway
0: through,
2: halfway through, you're tied at four points apiece. Okay. All right. I'm glad you had to go multiple choice on that one. Because, oh, yeah. bro, <laughs> ballistic X versus seven. Oh, Come you you gotta on let now. Me, You got to let me describe it <laughs> first. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs>
0: sorry. I got so excited. I got so excited. Test your medal against two action film stars at the bottom of their careers. Travel back to, um, so that should be t- 2002, to stop Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu from making this ill-fated romp about warring hit persons. I didn't know, like you know, Hitman. It's twenty twenty two. You guys say hit persons. What (laughs) is the name of this film? You already knew it. It is
2: Ballistic X versus Sever. You know, I've never seen this movie because it's not streaming anywhere. Mm -hmm. And actually, my friend and I tried to watch it. We watched uh, the 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 Charlie's Angels movies recently, Mm -hmm. like via via you know Google Hangout or whatever while we were working. And Mm -hmm. we were like, dude, we should watch X versus Sever. Cause we also watched the mask of Zorro, which is a perfect movie and one of my top five all time favorites. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Lucy Lou, what a babe. So let's do it. And then it wasn't anywhere. So quite no a bummer. Kidding. Well,
1: and the fact that it takes place like this year would be awesome to watch now and see how much they got right and how much they got wrong now. Right. <laughs> well, I,
0: that's a typo in the, in the, in the game. I don't,
1: you were supposed to have a proofread, Kevin. I did, look, <laughs> we talked about. You
2: know this. what? I did. I did watch a. Uh, I watched a movie not too long ago that I'd seen before, but it was called Repo Man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the one with uh, Forrest Whitaker and Jude mm-hmm. Law. Have you guys mm-hmm. seen that? And uh, it was like a Universal movie, I want to say. And so they had a they had a Fast and the Furious like eight or six or something in the background because it took place in the future. And I was like, damn, they got one thing, right? <laughs>
0: okay, here we go, Sean, your, your next one. All You'll right. be electrified. If you don't travel back to 2015 to stop this action drama centered around a family of hardworking power linemen, trying to restore an electrical grid during a <laughs> deadly storm. What is the name of this John Travolta
2: film?
1: Ooh, uh, no idea. I've just, never
2: even heard of this movie.
1: <laughs> I've never seen the poster. Like, I, yeah, this. OK, just give me the multiple choice. And let me see if I can. Is it here. the
0: lineman? Is A, the lineman? B, Power Storm? <laughs> C, Power Line Down? Or D, Life on the Line?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Power Storm. The
0: correct answer is d life on the line
2: Ooh, so no yeah. points for you on I, that, that was anyone's guess man i, I know <laughs> you
0: know what i tr- look it's, and it's and it's still coming
1: soon too <laughs> i tried to make sure too
0: that like all of these films got a um like a wide release so that there was was no like um you know like bruce willis direct to video like hidden gems oh in there. yeah yeah but this actually made this it actually the made theaters. it to the
1: theaters I've never seen anything about this. That's so strange. When did it come 2015. out? 2015. Okay. Gotcha.
0: All right, Ibrahim, here's one for you. You can't stop Nicholas Cage from making all of his bad movies, but you can go after him in the one that sees him star as a hitman in town to pull off a series of jobs while falling for a local woman and bonding with his errand boy. What is the name of this
2: 2008 film? I have seen this movie. I believe it takes place in Thailand. I believe it is Bangkok Dangerous.
0: The correct answer is Bangkok Dangerous. Very good, nice, nice.
2: excellent nice. work.
0: Now,
1: and I got the John Travolta <laughs> life line on the down or down on whatever it
2: was. <laughs> That's how life memorable them i like how we had a little face off back to back there exactly uh, yeah that was on purpose i rearranged them after the fact you know what kind of threw me on this though too i couldn't think of the name at first and i saw the the butt of the gun or the the handle peeking out from under the black thing and i was like it doesn't look like part of a d so i could be wrong (laughs) but
0: (laughs) yeah okay last one sean uh you can't win but you can at least get some credibility oh
1: my gosh I, I had a winning streak and then I've just been losing time and time again. well I knew okay,
0: that I knew that Ibrahim would be a like would be a big fan of like um, cheesy action movies so oh, I yeah, kind yeah, of oh like yeah. <laughs> I kind of like put this right in his wheelhouse <laughs> and
2: I used to work in a video store so see yeah
0: all right, this 1986 <laughs> film must be stopped from using every action movie trope that you can imagine. Rogue Cop? Check. Grocery store shootout? Check. Chase scenes with a semi-truck? Check. Horrendous one-liners? Oh. Check. What is the name of this Sylvester Stallone film?
1: Uh, yeah, this one you gotta give me the multiple choice because it's... I'm sure if I saw it... Is I it I A, it Fair is. Game?
0: B, Cobra? C, The Hunter? Or D, The Night Slasher? Is it Cobra? It is B. Cobra. Yeah, baby. Nice. His
2: name in that movie is like something Cobretty. Yeah, Cobretty. I don't remember his first name. Like, And they call him Cobra. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like I was Snake actually, and Kurt Russell in <laughs> Escape <yeah>. from L.A. <laughs> or Escape from New York. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So okay, with a final score of 10 to 5, Ibrahim is the winner of Retro Action. Good job. thank you thank you
2: that was a fun game
1: what video store did you work at
2: i i don't know if i think it was nationwide hollywood video did you all have Uh, oh yeah i had one yeah Yeah.
1: i actually worked at family video for about six months yeah oh we've got something (laughs) we've
2: got
0: something in common guys i still have a badge from blockbuster video
2: (laughs) man i we so at hollywood we had to wear purple button-up shirts with like an embroidered hollywood video insignia right here. Yeah. And yeah. then we had like a lanyard, like a con badge with our name in it. It had like a one of those like movie slate, mm-hmm. you know, graphics. I like and the stuff. board Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was like a busy Friday and I a Friday night and I was on my lunch break and I was like, let me just get to the office with my food that I had just gone to pick up. And this guy stops me. And he's like, Uh excuse me, do you work here? And I looked down at my outfit and I went, <laughs> no, <laughs> I just went, oh <laughs> uh, man, that was such a great job. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah it was a fun I, job. I loved my time at the video store. Um, I mean, minus the like management that knew far less about movies than I did. But,
2: <laughs> but I mean, I guess that was the cool thing about my, I'm still friends with my manager today. Oh, nice. Like we stand this was nice. you know, 20 years ago that I worked there almost yeah Yeah. hey
0: Abraham thank you again for coming on the show before we let you go today uh, let everybody know where they can find you and your work online especially where they can uh, order uh, retroactive
2: yes Uh, so if you go to retroactivecomic.com you can pre order the book from one of several places basically it's one link Uh, you click it and then it gives you like Amazon Barnes and Noble and the link to comic shop locator where you can find the nearest comic shop to you Um, and then there's also a trailer for the book, uh, that I put together that's on that site as well. Um, I'm running a pre-order giveaway, so anyone who pre-orders it can email retroactivecomic at gmail.com, uh, with their, like, you know, screen cap of their receipt, uh, or, you know, proof of purchase or whatever. And, um, you'll be entered to win like one of several prizes. I got t-shirts, signed book plates, um, signed comics, original art. The whole shebang so um that's running the drift through chamber
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the
2: watch you know um and then uh there's there should be links to my social media stuff on there as well so you can also go to IbrahimMustafa.com and all my uh you know stuff is up there so all right
1: and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes too thank you
2: Yeah, And that
0: wraps up another episode of The Caption Life We hope you enjoyed listening Don't forget to smash that subscribe button On whatever major podcast platform you listen to us on You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram At Caption Life If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out Tag us in your post For more info about us and all of our previous episodes Please visit thecaptionlife.com Until next time, go check out Retroactive
1: Peace out